Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience Podcast, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today, here live at the Anthology Together Conference in beautiful Dallas, Texas, at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Hotel, which is basically, as I said in earlier episodes, like a city. It's basically a city. I have a, another guest with me. Uh, I'm going to introduce him in a minute. Uh, I am going to tell you all that uh, that uh, my co-host, Elizabeth Liba, is una- unavailable again right now. So I don't know how everybody feels about that, but let me know how I feel about that. Oh, well, I don't tell her that I'm excited that she's not here because then she will kill me. All right, all right, I'll stop. I, Brandon, I, and let me bring you in. Brandon Wager yes. from Illinois Eastern Community Colleges. Brandon, I've recently found the sound pad buttons on my PodTrack P4 unit. Um, I can do uh, this one. Uh, so if you make a bad joke, Brandon, this is what's going to happen. So you better watch out. This is what happens every time I talk. That's it. Whether I make a bad joke or not, that's what happens. And then we have this one for you again, Brandon. And then um, this one for me. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be a fun experience, is it not, Brandon? I, I think so. This okay. is going to be a blast. All right. Every time you talk. No. no. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Um, uh, you, you were with Illinois Eastern Community Colleges. What do you do there? Give our audience a once over. Uh, my title is a program director of institutional assessment and effectiveness. So I work with our faculty to help them drive our assessment of uh, student learning outcomes. Uh, I work with program review and a lot of different evolving roles, I guess, in the realm of data, um, developing data analytics and dashboards for our faculty off of our assessment data, which has kind of been, I think, a trend setting idea to help drive, you know, some of the assessment decision-making at the higher levels, when we start to look at it in a broad context, we're collecting a lot of data. Yeah. What are we doing with this data? How, do, how does that happen? And so that I help kind of produce that information back to our faculty so then they can have informed decisions on their actions for curriculum development, program improvement, things like that. All right, Brandon, as an Italian, I have to tell you that I also talk with my hands, but try not to move that mic too far away from your mouth because then we're not going to hear the important things that you have to say. Um, who are your, who's your accreditation by you? HLC? Yes, Higher Learning Commission. All right, HLC. So assessment, um, uh, effectiveness, they're key motivators uh, and important aspects of being accredited in the first place. You have to have the data, you have to support the data, you have to show evidence. One of the areas that's, uh, and we've talked about this on this podcast a million times, uh, community colleges are seeing an enrollment decline of uh, over 10% nationwide. Students are disappearing, um, sick family member, need to get a job, got to provide for the family. How is data keeping track of these students or informing you on how to re-engage these students? Because this is a issue of our time, so to speak, this lost generation. It, it really is. And that's uh, something that I think we're on the precipice so much so that today, uh, about two hours ago, while I was on a panel here at the conference, I received an email and it alerted me on my Apple Watch. Oh, good plug. Excel, uh, Excel file of 115 performance indicators for a new strategic enrollment management plan that we're looking to develop because we are tackling that issue right now. Okay. Um, our, our new leadership has come in and ha- has worked with cross college because we are a multi-college system 
they are working across the college to develop a comprehensive plan that is is almost more than an enrollment management plan. It's really comprehensive strategic plan, and it, it gets into all realms. And so my role now will be to provide that data, support it, to make that decision because we are an area affected by constant declines over the last 10 to 15 years. We're in a rural area, and it's continually getting a smaller uh, Illinois in the state is has a issue of out migration. So these are moving, all things moving out from yeah, a rural out of the area state, into a city or out of out the state. of the state, out of the state altogether. So we are seeing the you know population that we recruit from our recruiting base. We are seeing them, you know, getting smaller and smaller. And so we're projected over the next few years to have a, a smaller area, that target area that we serve our district, I guess, is in the state of Illinois, the way they have it. What about, uh, did you guys move to online course? Obviously, you must have moved some level of online courses. Do you see that as a way to expand geographically your... It, your it really is, yes. And so this is a conversation I had earlier and some of the work that we had been doing had been focusing about, you know, the effectiveness of online, hybrid, and face-to-face -face modalities and comparing that. And so over the last year, specifically after COVID, we had to put an intensive training program for faculty. Mm -hmm. So our new leadership came in there empowered and, and just had the right data set at the right time to determine that we needed to have a summer cohort. We had about 115 faculty go through it. They received a small stipend for this participation to really develop online. Since then, now we're looking forward, right? Now we're, we're saying- Now you've okay, got the foundation, right? right? We, got... we, we built upon it. And so now we're scaling up uh, and really getting after where we're, we're going with the online and having an opportunity and kind of determining what programs. Now, we also have a lot of programs that are hands-on, welding, uh, nursing, things like that, that they're, that they're in. Very important know, programs. Very important, high needs, high labor market um, mm -hmm. data, things like that. So we're also needing to, you know, have those focuses not lost because there is a population that wants to be in the classroom. And so we're finding areas of focus and targeting that. And that's kind of what our, our planning process right now that we're developing this strategic enrollment management plan is looking at those type of things and then now developing the strategies. And those are the strategies that are being talked about exactly. So. All right. So I've, I've, um, in my 20 years in higher ed, I've worked, uh, in, in, in or around enrollment for, 20 years or so the entire time. I Once you become, you work in enrollment, you can never let it go because it's a control thing where anybody who works in enrollment, and maybe this is not you, but everybody I've met is a massive control freak if they work in enrollment. How would you help me? What data, if thinking about what data you could provide me as the enrollment manager, director of enrollment, vice president of enrollment, that could help me understand how to better recruit students for Illinois Eastern Community College? Well, I think it starts with, you know, I guess this, I'm probably biased in saying this because I'm thinking about our academic programming, but I'm thinking about what labor market data is to what offerings we need to have, Ooh, right? I'm glad you said this. We we have been going through, uh, like I said, the strategic planning. And we've been let me hit you, hold, hold on, let me hit the button for you because of what you said is so good. Hey, we got a button change right now. <laughs> All right, Brad. So we've been going through and analyzing our, our markets and our, our labor markets. And because we're in a rural area, economic development is really important to all of our communities. We serve an area of around eight counties uh, in southeastern Illinois. And so looking at that, but we're also right on the Indiana border. So we have a lot of uh, jobs on the other side of the border as well that okay. we feed into. And so depending on where our four colleges is at, how we focus. So 
really getting our leadership to make informed decisions about what programs to offer. Maybe, and, and this is something we're exploring, so I, I, I only throw this out there, maybe some of our programs don't have that labor market need that that may attract a student that really finds out there's nothing there for them. Is yeah, I mean, you, you, you're, you're, you don't have, you're throwing it out there, but the truth is, is that in any institution, there are programs that just don't work. Right. They just don't work. Either you can't get students recruited in them at a, at a fast enough rate, or the outcomes are not there. And if the outcomes are not there, why are you wasting your resources offering a program that's not going to make it, right? Right. And so we, we've been going through this academic program viability, looking at those type of things, looking at competitive markets, uh, obviously. Speak what, to my language. Yeah. And so we, we've really done a great job, I think. And, and this has not just been me. There's been a great world of team around our four colleges doing this. They spend an awful lot of uh, time. Of course, I got wrapped up in working with the data with, with uh, some of the consultants that we used. So it was really interesting and, and fun at the same time doing all this work because it was a new caveat. And it really has changed some mindsets. And we're still there. We're, we haven't got the plan developed. I think we've got a target to have it ready by January of 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're now at that strategy setting. We've digested the data. We've, we have all these tools to break down those programming decisions to look at it and say, okay, what do we need to be offering? What's the right option? And then we have to think about how then we market that out there. Uh, I, the conversation I had earlier today in the panel, we were asking about social media data and how we were influencing programs to our prospective students and things like that and asked if we were doing that yet. Well, I, I mentioned that we I received this uh, list of performance indicators. Well, guess what bubbles up? Social media analytics, mm -hmm. things like that. People want to know information. And that's what's exciting what we're doing. Uh, this process is driving the data culture. Yes. And, and and so traditionally we have our, what I would say traditional data that we looked at years ago, um, which has been very enrollment, FTE type yep. things like that were publicly funded. So there's a state reimbursement and we've been dealing with the challenges in the state of Illinois with funding over in the last five, six years where they weren't, didn't have state budgets passed and things like that. So we had to navigate that. And so it was really about keeping the ship steady. And so now we've, we, it just happens at the start of the pandemic, we're hit with a crisis, but we're also hit with opportunity. All right. We're Define one of the things that you said that just resonated with me is the data culture. Define Brandon for me. What's a data culture? Well, I think it's the digestion of data, meaning the, the literacy of, of that people can digest it, read it, inform, and use it for action. So then it gets into, of course, taking actions with it. I, I've told stories here, and these are, I wouldn't, I'd call them horror stories on my side because I produce data for people a lot right. of times. And so I get that information. And so they sometimes get that data and nothing happens with that data. Isn't it great? Like if you, if, if the, the highlight of your day must be hitting this like beautiful piece of data and going, here's what I can show you. And then wondering what's going to happen to that. It's got to be the worst part of the day. What, is anybody going to do anything in this? Or is it going to be a, a, a picture on a desktop or right. a file on, a, on the desk? And it's going to sit there and go in the track. There has been times it's happened. Um, <laughs> and, and there's times I'm like, oh, well, this is where the data made it to. And it got through, you know, to different people, whether, you know, it, it's been really good. And this is something I talk with our faculty a lot, especially with assessment, because obviously faculty are engaged in assessment. Yeah. Uh, you know, where it's collected at and stored at and all that. It's sometimes curating and interesting. 
Um, but for the most times we, we have, you know, an anthology suite of assessment management tools. So we, we do collect an awful lot there and, and get that there. And then it goes, where are we getting it from there? Because that's what the faculty want to know. Exactly. We're, we're, we're doing this. Where does that information go? When they write reflections on annual assessment reports, who's reviewing that? Who's looking at that? What's being done at the next level? How, are, how is what our faculty are informing us, suggesting action strategies, things like that? What's, what's happening there? Uh, on the same side of it, you also see that we have to improve our data culture because not everyone is trained to look at data right. all the time. And so, you know, especially coming from the community colleges and, and some of the backgrounds of some of our program leaders that may have been coming straight from industry, uh, welding and some of our man advanced manufacturing that have been in the industry side of it, haven't really got into to looking at this kind of information and, and doing yep. kind of this kind of analysis. So we have a responsibility to train them so we can have a good data culture. Um, and I think, you know, that's key, right? Yeah. Training people up is key to having a good data culture. It's not just about having the data, sourcing the data, processing the data, digesting the data, and what even doing something with the data. You have to train people all along the way to understand that data, understand their role in affecting that data one way or the other. I love this. I love this conversation because I've been in enrollment management and marketing for so long. And one of the areas that we get to see the evolution of data, as you said, is in the front end. It's social media didn't exist 20 years ago. And so now you add these new metrics in one of the, and then when you look at student achievement, the students achieve in different ways. Now, now you still, we still have the, the earn it, <laughs> learn it to earn it. You get a grade, you know, you do something, you get a grade. But the way that students are bringing in, the way that faculty is bringing in information into a classroom is just, it's, it's collated from so many different areas. So the way we learn is just different. Right. So how we create data sets is different. You have to have a really open mind about data, start connecting dots. What do you think the key is for someone like yourself that wants to get into and be an institutional effectiveness and in data, run those numbers all day long? What kind of disposition do you want, do you need to have? Because I think a lot of people typecast oh is statistician or they're in institutional effectiveness or sitting there the matrix is running on their computer and they're just like popping data out but you really have to have a passion for helping students to work in in, in data to help in in higher education right and i i think that is something you you definitely need to have it's and, and even from my background so i I didn't mention this earlier, but my original background, I started with the TRIO Upper Bound program. Ah, good for uh, you. And so TRIO, and so my passion, I'm a, I'm a TRIO advocate, um, supporting, you know, low-income first-generation students access an opportunity to higher education. Something that I'll always carry with me. I spent eight years of my career uh, working That's in that amazing. world, running the grant, things like that. And so it, it's still, I, I there right now that we have our grant, um, you know, they have their summer programs going on and, and I'm seeing pictures and stuff like that. And I, I'm always reminiscing and always thinking about that because those are the students that, that our, our colleges are made up of, of, of students that, that come from a rural area that may, uh, I think 50% of our students are Pell eligible. Um, right. You know, so there's a need, there's a great need right, for students. Many are first generation students. So providing them a quality education um, and opportunity so they can access it because, you know, 
there's a lot of different things, you know, going on in the K-12 systems with students and getting um, casted to certain, oh, this is your track that you're not, we want to provide opportunities and working for programs that have provided that opportunity, it, I think, you know, gives me a different mindset when I think about um, data, because I'm also thinking about student success and I'm thinking about student stories. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I think. You're a marketer. People, you're right. a marketer at heart, Brandon. Oh, I, my <laughs> office is right next to uh, our marketing department. So, um, you know, they, they're pretty good at what they do. And too. the data tells a story, doesn't it? It, it does. And, and data storytelling is important. And that's, I think, when you talk about data culture, presenting data to individuals um, and, and groups of individuals that can tell the story to make them understand quicker and save them time. Because there's one thing I know about everybody in higher education. We just don't have enough time. Yeah, that's truth. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, and I asked somebody this yesterday. Typically, um, uh, the best predictor of future performance is historical performance. But we live in a time now where that may not be entirely true. Where what happened two years ago, pre coronavirus, whatever trend was happening in enrollment or retention or outcomes isn't exactly the way it's going to happen now. So, are you providing and do you provide the prescriptive uh, data uh, or at least data that's current enough to allow for a prescriptive uh, diagnosis? Yeah, I think that's, that, that sounded official, by the way, right. the way I presented it. No, I, I, you know, getting into prescriptive and, and getting that data presented that way, I think, comes with the culture. And I, I think most importantly, it becomes with trust in the data. Yeah. And, and that is still the hurdle uh, always. And that's unique to, you know, Illinois Eastern Community Colleges. Four colleges, four identities and processes over the years may be a little bit different in how much can we trust that data set. Uh, and so when we get that kind of data, it's still, you know, we're still working on that standardization of process to make sure it's clean. And then uh, I think language and how we talk about data is also the other component. So if I say a student, what am I referring to? Well, at the community college, a student is a lot of different things. And oh my God, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean over and give you the biggest hug in the world. Keep going with this oh. statement because I, I talk about this all the time. Yeah, you can't presume that every student is a degree and certificate seeking student. Mm -hmm. uh, we have adult education who are seeking GED or GED program. We have students that are course enrollees that are from dual credit high schools or coming to take dual enrollment programs. Uh, they may just be here for those specific courses, and then they may graduate from their high school and go on to four years university. We have students that are workforce education and business industry training classes. They're not looking for those degree uh, and cert uh, certificates. So is that what, what is that what you're talking about? Because oh, God, this, this is our biggest problem, I think, in data culture is we'll communicate to some individual for data, whether it's me, whether it's our other data providers on campus, and we'll say, we want this. And, and I saw this. I, I worked for a CAO, and she, when she came in new, she came in for a uh, four-year uh, liberal arts school. And so mm -hmm. she was like, I want this, this data. And she talked to our IT department and pulled the raw data in this. And while well, there was an interpretation that needed to be made of what she was actually asking. Right. You know, she knew what she wanted, but she wasn't, you know, communicating directly to RT that's looking at the system and all the data storage here. Well, here's where I get all that information. But there needs to be some data cleaning that goes on there to define that specific student. I love it. I, and, and the reason I, I love that so much, Brandon, is because when you're talking, the word student means so many things. If you talk to anybody, and I actually write about this, where 
we talk about the student of the future or the students in the future, higher education students of the future. Who are you talking about? You talking about the 18 year old going to a traditional private school? You talking about the the 18 year old that went to community college and and you know and and decided to get a skill instead of going to a, a, a regular university experience? Are you talking about an adult student who's 35 with two kids at home? You gotta say exactly who you're talking about because students does not mean what it used to mean. It doesn't mean just 18 to 22 in college. We're talking about online students, adult students. We're talking about students that are first gen, low income. There are so many ways to quantify what student means. That is the most one of the most important things that anyone has said here in all the interviews I've done because it changes the entire conversation. That's why I love talking to innovative leaders at community colleges because I feel like that particular group of uh, the community colleges in general really are starting to get the adult student. I, I worked a lot in the for-profit sector, so I worked with adult students for years and years and years, but it takes a different set. You you look at different trends. There's different data. You got to define that or else you're just, it's like, I, I can't buy anything you're selling if you just say student's a student. That's, that's not the way it works. Right. That's exactly what we're seeing. And I mean, that's exactly what the challenges and hurdles. And you're right. The new focus of, of who the student is, is changing. So, you know, that that 18-year-old traditional new enrollee for a degree certificate program, that, that's changing. That That's becoming, that's right. there's an adult population out there to recruit in. The new traditional. Right. And and I don't even think the words traditional, non-traditional should be used anymore, that we should move past that. I'm giving you lots yeah. of claps today, Brandon. I, I'm telling you, you're just racking them up. Last question for you. Um, Anthology Together, you're here, you're learning. What do you hope to take away from this conference and back to uh, your your community college system? Um, you know, my, I guess it's, it's it goes back to the conference theme, togetherness, right? So anytime you bring people together, I think it cultivates learning. Yeah. And, and that's what's happening here in the sessions. I'm hearing peers here, colleagues from other institutions talk about things that I hadn't thought about before. So I've already thought about all the work that we're doing and then I'm getting new ideas, new lens, lenses to look through and think about how I can say, okay, I want now I want to focus on this. Maybe we need to take this back and have a conversation on that because this is a, something that I've learned about from the, uh, these peers and not having these opportunities uh, to come together, to, to be together from across a wide spectrum of colleges and higher education institutions is, is an opportunity for us to learn. And that's what I've got to take back key learning components. I love it, Brandon. This has been a real pleasure to get to talk to you. Yeah. I, you dropped absolute gems. Another episode of the Ed of Experience podcast here at Anthology Together. Brandon, thanks for joining.